Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast with your host, Sarah Myerskoff. This business podcast is for ambitious brokers determined to grow their business. Our guests are highly experienced industry experts and innovators. This is the place to leverage their success, learn how to break through barriers to growth, and discover a community of support and ideas whilst growing your business. Welcome to this episode of the Insurance Brokers Podcast. On today's episode, we're delighted to be speaking to Justine Dignam. Justine is responsible for driving the development, growth, and management of tax incentives and relief division of Markel Tax. Justine joined Markel in 2014, and during her time, she's been responsible for leading the strategy and development of introducing tax incentives and reliefs to accountancy partners. In addition, she's been responsible for developing and taking to market different sector propositions, combining products and services from across UK businesses, including insurance, tax and law. In her previous role as marketing director for the UK, Justine developed partner strategies to ensure long-term engagement with intermediaries and distribution partners. Previously, Justine worked within the professional service and accountancy sector in senior positions and at partner level for many years, also acting as a non-exec director for a number of professional service firms in the UK. Welcome, Justine. Good afternoon, Justine. Thank you so much for coming on the Insurance Brokers Podcast. I'm really excited to have you here, not just because of what you can tell the listeners, but also I have a, a personal or business interest in what in what uh, you're about to tell us. So welcome and thank you. Thank you for having me. Most welcome. Should we start perhaps with a little bit of background because R&D tax relief and how that relates to insurance brokers and indeed their clients is perhaps something of a misunderstood concept. So would it be really good if you could give me a bit of background about who you are and what you do at Markel? Sure. So as you quite rightly said, my name is Justine Dignam. I'm Director of Tax Incentives and Reliefs at Markel. So we have a specialist team of just under 30 people who just solely specialise in niche tax services. So we have a group of people who are chartered tax accountants, qualified accountants, tax technicians, technologists, scientists, engineers and PhD qualified specialists who have real sector expertise. So as I say, we've specialised in this really niche area of tax for the last 15 years. And to do that, we partner with over two and a half thousand accountants um, businesses in the UK and we act as their outsourced tax partner so an area of tax that they wouldn't necessarily fall upon on a daily basis we can assist and offer their clients that real niche advice. The analogy that I always work with is a little bit like if if you've got a heart condition and you went to your GP and said you know I really feel that I've got a problem with my heart you certainly wouldn't expect your GP to say, well, look, hop up on the bed and I'll take a look. You would expect that they would refer you straight away to a cardiologist to give you specialist advice. And that's that's how we work with our referral partners throughout the UK. So I think that's really interesting on a number of, of ways because the people listening to this uh, podcast are, by default, insurance brokers and many of them running businesses. Tax for me, and I run several businesses, is one of those things that I go, oh, Ah, mm, I've got no idea and probably doesn't apply to me. And I have very recently learned, which has led to our fabulous conversation, that actually it 100% does. And there are real tangible ways in which insurance brokers and 
clients of insurance brokers should be looking at this kind of stuff because it can actually generate quite a lot of sort of, you can get a lump sum of, of cash return, can't you? Absolutely. So just a little background. So R&D tax relief is one of the UK's most generous tax relief. So it's provided by the UK government and it's to support innovation and development in the UK. So it's available to businesses that are subject to corporation tax. So for a business to qualify, it has to be paying or subject to UK corporation tax. So perhaps, for example, it couldn't be a charity. But it's actually it's looking for companies who are seeking to make an advance in scientific or a technological advance. And, and that tends to be project driven. But when, pe- when you say that, people obviously think of companies such as Dyson or a pharma company where the level of development is groundbreaking or it's significant. And actually, the hurdles really aren't that high. So if you think about the UK market, there's over 6 million what is classified as UK SMEs. Now, the classification of an SME is slightly different, actually, in terms of R&D. But you know, broadly think of 6 million businesses out there. And yet there's only 60, under 60,000 businesses claiming for, an, for R&D, which is, you know, clearly a drop in the ocean. And, and what that means by um, a significant advance in technology or science is around making something potentially faster, lighter, cheaper, more environmentally friendly, increasing the longevity of, say, a fruit product or a, or a seed the main criteria to qualifying for R&D is there's got, to be a, um, there's got to be uncertainty around that achievement. So a risk of failure. So if, for example, a business is looking to um, make an advancement in developing a product that's more durable or more sustainable, if they can go away and think about that over the weekend and then come up with a plan of actually how they're going to be able to do that and, and have the knowledge and certainty that that's going to work, then that wouldn't qualify as R&D. There has to be a risk of failure. And indeed, actually, Sarah, if a, a project does fail, then the costs, the qualifying costs can still be claimed back. So that's a significant kind of incentive, if you like, for businesses to really invest in innovation and looking to, to develop. And, and in fairness, you know, quite often people think of these as, you know, um, just an advancement that they're making in terms of that's what we do as our day job. We make these widgets and, and there's a commercial goal. We've had to make them faster or cheaper or lighter or, or made of a different substance to be to remain commercial. So can I ask a question? Two questions, in fact. I'm an insurance broker. Uh, in fact, no, I'm going to base it on uh, an actual thing. Uh, I am uh, an MGA and I have just developed a bespoke portal, which I can sell my products to my uh, broker partners through. And it's not an off-the-shelf portal. And a lot of time and uh, um, energy has gone into developing that portal. And it is different from what is currently out there. And it's taken me a year in development. And I've put a lot of time and effort in. Can I, as the MGA, go and say, right, I want to do an R&D tax relief on here? Absolutely. So, I mean, we need a little bit more detail than that, obviously. But but fundamentally, if if you and this is quite often the case for R&D claims. So, for example, we work with an insurance company who had a a, a legacy CRM system, but they wanted to develop new technology about a risk analysis tool that would hook into that and would integrate within that CRM system. Now, there was nothing available off the shelf that they could buy that would offer that integration. So they had to employ contractors, actually, to actually work on the coding for that, to be able to provide that integration, to be able to produce the reports that they wanted from that legacy system. 
and working with the analysis tool um, to, to actually produce a risk then analysis to be able to online engage. So yes, it's around it's around not being able to take something and being able to integrate it in with something else without having to go through a period of development. And again, you know, going back to that uncertainty, that's really very important because around that uncertainty is where the R&D um, kind of development work is incurred. So there is a huge amount of uh, stuff going on in the insurance market and there's a massive amount of PE money going into um tech-based algorithms and all of this kind of stuff, presumably, you know, at the, the very high end, there's a lot of money and a lot of the big boys playing in this area. But at the more SME end, you know, your, your independent broker, uh, even mid-sized brokers, it's worth having a conversation with somebody like yourself about the innovative things you, because it doesn't have to be tech-based, does it? It doesn't no, have to be, you're not developing an app or if if you are pivoting your business because of COVID, for example, and you're starting to do things differently and you've had to put processes and uh, planning and testing into those, it's worth the conversation. Is that right? Absolutely. And you should never discount any sector. So, you know, I've worked with um, recently, uh, uh, you know, we've got a gin, a gin distillery that's actually switched their manufacturing out to sanitizer. So, and that's had to go through a process of uncertainty how they would be able to change their processes and obviously products. So, and that qualified for R and D. They claim about sixty-two thousand pounds for that. So, you know, there, there's lots of things. You know, we work with fashion retail, fashion manufacturers who've changed their different products um, in terms of the clothes. Sorry, different fabrics in terms of non-permeable, uh, breathable fabric, fabrics. So, there's there really is no area or no sector that that actually probably doesn't do R and D. So it's more around, actually, if somebody has had a significant spend on a project where they've had to overcome some technical uncertainties or made advances in processes, then that's definitely worthy of a conversation. And, and we can ascertain whether somebody's got a valid R&D claim within literally a 10, 15 minute telephone conversation. Which I hope to be having with you shortly after this podcast. <laughs> um, so, OK, so I'm an insurance broker, an MGA, an insurer, um, and uh, I've pivoted. And uh, the quote you just said there was f- absolutely fabulous in terms of have I got a big project that's got significant spend in which there's been some uncertainty? If the answer is yes and you're listening, then speak to Justine because happy days, uh, potentially. Um, but this is much the reason I wanted to talk to you is because I actually think this is much, much wider. Or, or should be much, much wider. Me as an insurance broker, yes, there may be some benefit to me. But even more than that, sort of the world in which we live in now is you need to, you need really to provide an all-round business solution to your clients. There's a lot more of this kind of talk coming out, and I'm sure everybody's heard it. So actually, if you are to sit with your client at Renewal and talk to them about how they've pivoted in during COVID, what projects they've had to undertake to see you could be in a position to be saying to your client, I actually, and you don't need to know that much, do you? I actually think you should have a conversation with somebody like Justine, because you could be due a relatively uh, large tax rebate, which in the current climate, SMEs, the 6 million SMEs you've just uh, spoken about, I don't think there's many that would go, oh, no, not today, thanks. So talk to me a little bit about that. And if you can, give me some, you've given some great examples, some more examples about things that have you seen recently happening in this market yeah so i mean the, as i said you know the the actual 
amount that you can claim back is actually up to 33 pence in the pound for additional spend. So keeping the maths easy, let's imagine that somebody spends £100,000 on a project of qualifying expenditure. They can claim that 100000 back in the normal way through their account. But in addition to that, they will be rewarded up to another £33,000, so another 33 pence in every pound that's spent on R&D qualifying activity. Now, of course, there's, there's, there's lots of, it, there's more depth and I won't go into the merits of the scheme. But, you know, that equates to the average claim in the UK being £52,000. Now, we can go back to accounting periods. So, in essence, a business that's undertaking qualifying uh, expenditure that qualifies, on average, will be making a claim of £52,000 per year, going back two years, so would receive potentially a benefit of £104,000. That's not means-tested, and that's, that's something that people are entitled to. And given the numbers that we kind of talked about earlier, I'm sure you'll agree, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't claiming their, you know, cash potentially or a tax benefit that they're entitled to. And for the sake of a 15-minute conversation to ascertain whether you are qualifiable, brand new word there, then why would you not? And I also think that this might be relevant to to introduce uh, the fact that you work with partners. You've got accountancy partners, but you work with insurance brokers as, as partners as well, don't you, in terms of any referrals made from their client base? Absolutely. So, you know, the broker market is is unique in the way that the relationship that brokers will have with their clients, they will have a very good insight into the kind of development work that clients that the clients have been working on because accountants will always work historically, whereas, you know, brokers are about the here and now and they'll be talking to them about the risk of product failure, um, manufacturing processes, you know, any risk they'll need to cover. So, Brokers have a really good insight into clients' businesses. And we found that actually, you know, if going through a, a kind of client review with a broker is really fruitful because they understand their clients and they have a really good kind of depth of knowledge around their clients' business and their operations. What's also worthy of note, Sarah, that I didn't say actually, is that if a company is loss making, they can also make a claim. So they can either surrender the loss um, for a cash payment from the revenue or they can carry those losses forward. So quite often, for kind of techno techie businesses or pharma businesses, a lot of these businesses won't make money for a number of years when they first start off, but they will be investing and putting money in, into R&D projects. So they don't lose that money in there. They can claim that back. And I think on that note, and you did touch on it earlier, but I think it's probably quite important to, to highlight, if the project fails, if you put £100,000 into a project that does not work, this you can still claim uh r&d tax relief is that right and indeed so you would either decide to um, carry the losses forward or you could surrender that loss um and you would receive a cash payment from the revenue it's, it works out at 14.5 percent in the pound so it's not as generous if you surrender for a loss as it would be for other SME profit making businesses but it's still there and again you know businesses often decide that they'd like to have that cash today mm, absolutely and how so obviously I've spoken to a few people about this type of, uh, uh, of of possible tax relief. How many claims do you guys do a year? This is obviously presumably quite a big element of, of Markel's. I think you said there's there's 30 people in your team. So it's, you know, a decent chunk of what you guys do. Yeah. So on average, we claim around 750 claims. We submit around 750 claims a year to the revenue. And on average, we claim we, we save. Um, UK businesses over 40 million pounds each year 
So it's a significant saving into the business, but there is, there is a, as I say, a massive market that aren't yet to claim their R&D uh, tax relief. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do a bit of a live demo for people, right? And let's use as, as an example. So Boston Tullis, we are a marketing and management consultancy, and we do uh, the full sort of marketing arm for insurance brokers, and we do it in quite a unique way. We are, off the back of some of the work we did with the CII last year, we are in the process of developing company number two called Coffee, Calm and Connection. It's around mental health and professional services, and it is scenario-based learning. It's podcasting. It's an app that delivers uh, psychoeducation in five-minute boosts, which is learning from scenarios which are in the podcasts. There is nothing out there at the moment that does this. It's very different from Headspace. It's very different from Calm. And there is nothing that is A, to this target market or that delivers it in the way that uh, we are delivering it. And we are building, we are doing the coding. We've got a team of people that are building the back-end functionality in bespoke coding. And we've got a team that are developing the user journey, the user interface, and the app. Does that fit this kind of idea? Yeah, so the questions I would be asking you are around technical uncertainty. So what's been, what has been the technical uncertainty and what have been the challenges that you've had to overcome? And secondly, how have you overcome those challenges? So instantly, if somebody's going to develop an app or they're going to develop some sort of software, they would automatically go to the market. Is that technologically readily available off the shelf or is it is, the, is it readily available through open source coding, for example, where um, you'd be able to go to the market and ask somebody how they'd be able to develop that? Have they developed that functionality and how can you integrate into that? If that technology isn't readily available in the market, it would be around asking a competent professional. You know, I'm sure you went to somebody who was competent in that field to ask them if they knew how you were, they were able to do this or whether this technology was again was readily available. And then if not, you would, we would be talking about what was the technological uncertainty and how were you able to resolve that? And if we took it away from technological uncertainty, the project uncertainty, and I can't answer some of the questions because we're still in the development build. We haven't got a live product yet, uh, yet, but it's coming. Um, some of the, the sort of project uncertainty is about the actual clinical psychoeducation that's being developed in the way it's being developed. Uh, who we're speaking to, how we take that and deliver it, whether it's through um, video, info bites, Q&A, all of that kind of stuff is is work in progress. So it's away from technical. How does that fit this kind of idea? Yeah, so to, to qualify, there are five types of qualifying costs that you that are qualifying expenditure. So there's staffing costs. So people staff, the cost of, of people who are employed in a project and what percentage of their time they're, they're spending on working on the R&D project. There's subcontractor costs. So quite often people will subcontract that work out to, to people. Like you say, you've got a, um, a web uh, or a software development company. So their costs, those costs are capped at 65%. But again, you know, again, we kind of need to go into more detail. There is also externally provided workers. So age, staff that are, are provided by agencies. Uh, etc we can claim again that's capped at 65 percent software licenses we can claim for um so that wouldn't be the likes of microsoft office this is more like cad or or specific r&d related project related software that you'd use 
and then heat, light and power. And again, we would allocate a proportion of that. So there's a lot more kind of complexity to go into to, to kind of ascertain what the claim is and whether it's made, whether you can um, it qualifies. But things like marketing costs you can't claim for. You know, you are you are not able to to claim for mathemat- mathematical calculations. So there's 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 a real kind of kind of complex structure around that what you can and what you can't claim for. So we'd have to go into a kind of technical meeting to be able to ascertain that. But what the important thing is to make sure you're not missing out on making a claim. So in that ten to fifteen minute call, we would be able to kind of give you yes, we, there there is qualifying expenditure there and you will be able to make qualify for a claim it's then down to us to tease out that information and it goes back to the cardiologist not the gp so as the insurance broker or uh, as the sme all you need to know is that a 15 minute conversation or an introduction to you for a 15 minute conversation could yield some fairly interesting cash payments Absolutely. And, you know, we do that on a day to day basis. People are always, you know, kind of astonished about, you know, is that, you know, is it really okay to make that claim that, you know, there's lots of reasons why people don't, you know, people almost feel if it's too good to be true, then then they shouldn't be making the claim. But, you know, this is our area of expertise. We've been doing these claims for over 15 years. You know, we work very closely with the revenue. We're on the HMRC consultative committee. We developed our processes and our reports in line with the expectations from the revenue. We have a very good relationship with them. And in the un- in unlikely event that we do have an inquiry from the revenue or they ask us further questions, then we will defend any claims that we make with a, uh, without incurring further fees. We work on a contingency basis anyway. So, you know, people aren't charged unless they receive the tax benefit. Um, and it's just a percentage of the tax benefit. So it really is kind of the, the key thing is to find out that you're not missing out on on a valid R&D claim and then we can go through the process with you but that's our job we're, we you know we, we certainly don't want to make it difficult for either referral partners or in, indeed the end client we're there to hold the client's hand through that process and make sure that they we tease out the correct information and that we build a really robust report that's, that's submitted to the revenue. So if I was an insurance broker listening to this and I wanted to talk to you about being a referral partner what are my next steps or do I have to do? Yeah, so please, you know, get in touch. So th- my contact details will be available um, at the end of this podcast. But please get in touch. You know, we we then sign an engagement letter as a referral partner. We then offer full training for the team. We offer uh, white label marketing support and articles, case studies, thought process, uh, thought leadership pieces that you can utilize and, and send out to clients. Use on the web. Um, we undertake a client review with you to make sure to talk through your client base and actually identify opportunities and we'll also teach you as a business to identify opportunities we provide things like an opportunity checklist so that when people are meeting with clients they can actually just run through a simple few questions to ascertain whether it's likely that they may have a, an R&D claim um, that's to claim. And there is a, a sort of a, a percentage of your income from this that then goes to your partners is that right? That's correct so typically we would charge 20% of the tax benefit um, to the end client. And of that, we would pay away a percentage of that to the introducer, to the referral partner. I think that's, I think, I think it's an absolute no-brainer. And I shall make sure if you're happy, all of your contact details are in the show notes for this episode. And I think if anybody's listening, anybody listening has got any questions, 
please feel free to come to Justine or me and I'll refer you to Justine uh, to uh, to ask any questions because I think this is a massively underutilized area. I think it's obviously aimed at benefiting those companies that are trying to grow and pivot and be there for a number of years. So um, absolutely, anybody listening, please jump on all over this. Thank you very much, Justine. My pleasure and thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed what you have heard, have any questions or feedback, please leave us a review and we will be sure to get back to you. If you would like further information on how Boston Tullis Group can support your business, or if you would like to join us on an episode, please do not hesitate to contact us.